Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Hope Elam. If that doesn't get your blood moving, uh, I don't know what does. So some of you are like, what did I just walk into? Well, let me tell you this. There ain't no party like a Jesus party because the Jesus party don't stop. Amen? That's what we're doing. So we are so glad that you are here. My name is John, one of the pastors here, and just honored to dive into God's word with you today on this Rally Sunday. So it is so good to have the kids leading us in worship, not just a part of it, but leading us in worship. What I love about kids, these ones right here in the front, they are all in, right? They are not concerned about what the people out, what you all think of them. They're going all in for Jesus, amen? Like they're not concerned about that, and that's why they're so good at leading us in worship, and what a great way to kick off our Rally Sunday here as well. And just for you to know, what that means essentially is that we're kicking off the fall together, uh, this season together as a church. A lot of our uh, options and activities for people of all ages kick off today on Wednesday. Uh, Really excited about Hope Elam Kids. All the kids you just saw, that's that's about a third of them. Uh, there was a whole bunch up here at 9 o'clock, 11, on Wednesdays as well. That all starts this coming Wednesday and Sunday. Every single week is just kind of our version of Sunday school where kids get to have fun, jump around, sing songs, praise the Lord, memorize scripture, grow in their faith, and build community together. So they're showing us how to be the church there for sure. But if you didn't uh, grow up in the church, that's totally fine. Rally Sunday is just kind of one of the phrases we use around here to say, we're going to put a mark in the road and say, today's the day. Say, today's the day. Today's the day. Turn to your neighbor and say, you picked a great day to come to church. Tell them that right now. You picked a great day. You picked a really, really good day to come. We're we're kicking off all of our ministries. There's literally something for everybody. And I will tell you this, on this day, we have something that is worth going all in for. And it's not a church name. It's not a building. It's not a worship service. We have a mission that we have called and called to be a part of. Every single one of you, our mission as a church is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, that is a mission that is worth going all in for. Can I get an amen? Like all in. That's why we exist as a church. And so we don't want you to to miss it. And so that is my question for you as we get started, whether you're here in the room, whether you're the many that are worshiping with us online, wherever you may be, this is my question for you. Are you all in? Are you all in? I want to kind of unpack that this morning. Here's the thing. We have no problem going all in for things in our lives. And if you look closely at people's lives about what, what do you love? What are you passionate about? What gets your affection? What gets your heart? What gets your attention? What are you thinking about? What naturally flows out of you? It's very easy to tell what people are all in for. It's the things that we think about. It's the things that we do that consume our time, where our money goes. The things that you are all in for are the things that you are willing to sacrifice just about anything else to pursue that one thing. What is that for you? Are you all in? In fact, we have no problem, if you're having a hard time getting your head around that 
question. There's a lot of things we have no problem being all in for. And that was demonstrated yesterday. Apparently, there was a football game yesterday in the state of Iowa. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Most of the state of Iowa is consumed uh, with this game as well. And here's the thing. Uh, This normally doesn't happen, but our family got a gift, and we were able to go to the game. Well, we are a house divided. And so my wife and my daughter, Everly, are diehard Cyclone fans. They're over there. And my son, Caleb, and I are diehard Hawkeye fans. And where are our tickets? right in the middle of about 10,000 Cyclone fans. So that is our, that's where we were. And here's the thing, no matter what, no matter what, we would like jump up and down as, woo! It's kind of like, I feel like maybe for some of you, if this is your first or second time here, if you waved your hand when Pastor Brian asked, like what you feel like coming into a new church is kind of what I felt like at Jack Trice yesterday. Like, woo! I don't want to be that weird person, right? You know, I just kind of felt like a fish out of water uh, a little bit. But no matter what team you choose for, what jersey you might be wearing today, here's the thing. We have no problem going all in for our team. Whether you're sitting at the actual game or you're watching it on the TV in your living room, here's the thing. You come in and there's about 60,000 other people that are complete strangers to you. Like the people we're sitting, we have no idea who they are other than our family. And literally halfway through the first quarter, if something goes well for your team, you are literally jumping up and down and hugging people and chest bumping people. And you're like, I don't even know who you are, but woo! You know, you're all in for that. You don't even think about it. And we have no problem doing that. And then we come to church and it's like... God, turn it around. God, turn it, you know, like, what happened? The issue is not whether we can go all in. Question is, what's gripping your heart today? God's really not concerned with all of this. On the outside, that's just an overflow of what's real for you on the inside. So is it real for you? Okay, people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What are you all in for and really What would it look like to go all in for Jesus? I just want you to camp out on that question this morning. What would it look like to go all in for Jesus? We have no problem doing that at a football game. And literally, here we are 12, 24 hours later, and for some of us, we have a really hard time walking into a place like this. Well, we get a really good picture of what it looks like to go all in from the Apostle Paul. We've been studying his writings the last couple weeks, and we're going to start in Philippians, and then we're going to get to Timothy in a little bit. So if you go to the next slide, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, and he's kind of reflecting back on his life and the changes and the shifts in priorities in his life, and this is what he said. Let's read it nice and loud together. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. What is Paul saying? That there is a joy to be found. There is a life to be found that is found only in knowing Jesus. When it's real for you, on the inside, not being busy for Jesus, not doing lots of things for Jesus, but knowing him in a real and personal way. And that is better than anyone or anything that this world can offer. Anything else, it's better than that in knowing Jesus. And some of you might be saying, wow, that is great. I love the high energy. I love the kids. I love Paul. That's great. He's a Bible hero. You don't understand my story. I can't be all in, Pastor John, because you don't know what I came walking in with this morning. And I can't be all in because of everything that's out there. You might have walked in like, I'm just tired this morning. 
Not like sleepy tired, life tired, weighed down. Some of you, man, if we could have like spiritual x-ray vision, you've got like a backpack full of heavy rocks on you. Just weighing you down, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed out, you're filled with anxiety, maybe you're battling depression, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your parents that are growing older, you're trying to care for everything, things are getting busier at work, you don't know how you're going to make it to the next paycheck, you got bills to pay, you got relationships, whatever it is. Cute sermon, Pastor John, but there's no way that I could go all in. You don't, you don't know. I don't know, but he does. And I want to remind you, Amen. And I want to remind you of something. This, this letter that Paul's writing to the Philippians and many other Paul's letters, where is he writing those from? From like a mansion or a suite? How about isolation in a jail cell? And what does Paul want to remind you of this morning? There is a joy to be found. There is a peace to be found. There is a hope to be found that we've already sang about this morning that the world can't touch. It is an anchor to your soul when everything else around you is chaotic and it's the person of Jesus. Amen? The world can't touch that. Don't let your circumstances determine your devotion. And if you walk into worship every single week basing the level of your praise based on your circumstances, it's never going to be enough. But it's really, really good that we worship not because of how we feel, but because of who he is. Amen? So that's the difference. Don't let your circumstances determine your devotion. And you would think like, oh, Paul, like he was always all in. Like he'd be jumping up here with the kids. Woo, I'm all in. Wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. If you go back in Paul's story, it's because God has radically changed his life. And today I want to look at what are the things that keep you and I from being all in? Because I'm right there with you. I'm in this battle with you. What are the things that keep us from being all in? I want to talk about three things that God wants to address in our lives so that we can go all in with Jesus. And it's these three things. It's number one, embrace your past. Everybody say past. past. Number two, it's shift your priorities. Say priorities. priorities. And number three, it's find your purpose. Say purpose. purpose. Those are the three things that God wanted to shift in Paul's life and ours as well. Number one is embrace your past. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. That's where we're going to camp out. That's what you heard the kids read for us this morning. If you got your Bible or your Bible app, we're continuing this series called Letters Penned by Paul. And it's not letters that Paul wrote to churches. It's he wrote to individuals. And this one, you can guess, he wrote to Timothy. Well, who's Timothy? Timothy is another young church planter, somebody that Paul has invested in in his life. And Timothy starts to go with him on these missionary journeys. And so Paul is writing a very personal and heartfelt letter to Timothy. And he, through the power of God's divinely inspired word, he's speaking a personal word to you this morning as well when you hear these statements as well. So the first key, number one, is embrace your past. Look what Paul says in verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy, appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Think about that. My insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me. Say mercy. Because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, this is who I was and this is who I am now. Paul's referring to his old life. And one of the bonuses, if Jesus changed your life, sometimes he gives you a new name. So it's a bonus. 
Paul wasn't always Paul. He was Saul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a great religious scholar and leader. He learned from the best. He learned in Tarsus, which is one of the academic and scholastic capitals of the region at that time. It was a big deal. Paul had reached the top of everything that he wanted. But here's the thing with Saul is that he despised Christians. So much so that he would get permission to go from city to city and hunt them down and cast his vote for their death. That's on his resume. That's on his record. And you thought you had a checkered background, right? God can use anybody. And so if Jesus is that way, if going all in for Jesus is that way, Saul wasn't even like lollygagging. He was going the opposite way. And I think that there's somebody here today that you're going down the opposite way and you remember that time in your life. Maybe you're on that road today. Maybe you've been on that road. And you know, whatever road you were going down, if it had not been for God, you would not be sitting here this morning. Amen? If it had not been for him. Sometimes God intervenes in our lives. In Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul was on the road to Damascus. And literally, this light from heaven knocks him off, and he's laying on the ground, and he hears this voice from heaven say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are me? He's kind of cordial. So he says, who are you, sir? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. The deep, rich, theological, official term for this story here is busted. <laughs> if you are going down a road in life and you are blinded by a light from heaven and the voice of God comes, you should probably pay attention to that. This is Saul's story. And not only bigger than that, though, over the next few years, God literally transforms Paul's heart from Saul to Paul. And I, I don't know what road you're going down today. Some of you are making some choices. You're going a direction. You're in a spiral, and you're spiraling away from the life that Jesus has for you. You've made some mistakes. You feel like a failure. You don't, there's no way that God can literally turn it around as we sang this morning. But he can. That's the God that we have. If there was a verse that summed up Paul's life and story, it's this from the book of Proverbs. There is a path before each person that seems right. That everybody else is doing. That seems to be the popular thing. It seemed right to me. Have you asked God? Have you considered him? Not one of many opinions, but his above all else. It's the word of God. It's not the opinion of God. Some of us don't live our lives that way, but in the end, it leads to death. Where's that? Do you, is the road that you're on filling you with everything that you've ever hoped and dreamed of? Is it enough for you? Is it filling you with that joy? Are you experiencing his abundant life today? Is it leading towards a relationship with Jesus? Here's the thing. Saul had more zeal, more passion, more exuberance for the word of God. It was just misplaced than anybody else. And what does Saul's story show us? You can be all in for all the wrong things. If that road that you're on is leading away from Jesus, some people are incredibly passionate. <laughs> We're just passionate about all the wrong things. Passion alone is not maturity. Even when we're young in our faith, we have lots of zeal and lots of passion. Passion alone is not maturity. Passion surrendered to Jesus Christ and put in his hands is the only kind of passion that will lead a legacy of kingdom fruit. Some of us have all a bunch of zeal and passion in our lives, but it's leading us down the wrong road. Why does our past matter? 
Because there is a misunderstanding and there's a misnomer, and maybe some of you are living in this this morning, that when I become a Christian, my past doesn't matter anymore. I'm just going to shove it aside, and, and I'm all in for Jesus now, and that's great. But what are you going to do about that bag of heavy rocks, that burden? Every single one of us walked in here with a bag or a suitcase of spiritual and emotional baggage. And you go your entire adult Christian life and never unpack that suitcase. And it's full of hurts and wounds and pain and grief and sorrow that have never been acknowledged. And we think, oh, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. And we pretend like it never even happened. But it did happen. And maybe the most spiritual thing that you could do on this Rally Sunday is name it. And say, that hurt. What that person said, to, what they did to me 27 years ago, hurt. And I'm still walking in that false identity. I'm still walking in that pain. It matters. Whether it's something that was done to you or something that you did, your past matters. And what I love about Paul, Philippians, 1 Timothy, all these books, Paul has this really healthy, mature understanding of embracing his past but not letting it define him. I've said it once and I'll say it again. You are a product of your past, but you do not have to be a prisoner. And there's a big difference between those. Because whether it's self-hatred or unforgiveness or bitterness or you can't forgive somebody else or you can't forgive yourself or whatever it is, some of you are living in a self-imposed prison that God never intended you to live in. That's not how he designed you. That's not the abundant life that he has for you. And I love Paul's posture in this. Some of us are living in that prison. But watch what Paul does with his past. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Some of you are like, man, Paul, don't beat yourself up so much. No, as we grow in spiritual maturity, we're actually more aware of our faults than we were before, but we've never been more confident in our identity, okay? That's the difference. Paul says, I know all these things that I've done. I literally persecuted Christians and tried to kill them. You think there's a little bit of trauma and pain in his life? Now it shifts. Now Paul's being the one that's being persecuted. He's been shipwrecked, flogged, beaten. Does that describe your last week? So Paul's like, don't, this isn't wishy-washy. This isn't surface level. I've got pain. I've got hurt. I've got wounds. But I am not defined by my past. I'm not defined by the opinions of others. I am defined by who Jesus says I am now. Amen? So the, a beautiful picture and a summary of the gospel, 1 Timothy chapter 1, is this. Although I am a great sinner, I have a great Savior. That's the gospel. Paul says, my past the sting, the sting of my past has no hold on me. It, it doesn't hurt anymore. I know it's there. I'm very aware of my past, but it does not define me. I want you to think about that person in your life right now that you're like, they're too far gone. Everybody, we all have somebody in mind that you're, they're never stepping foot inside the walls of a church building. They're like anti-Christian. They're anti-church. They're anti-Jesus. They're, they're too far gone. You know what Paul would say to you this morning? Never bet against Jesus. Because never bet against Jesus. 
no one's too far gone. No one is too far beyond the reach of God. That Paul is saying, take it from me. Look at my story. And maybe for some of you, the first step today is acknowledging your past. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's talking to a Christian friend or a mentor or your small group and just naming it. You know what Jesus wants way more than your activity and your busyness? He wants access to your pain. Because whatever's in the darkness, when it gets brought into the light, it can be healed. So sometimes we got to just name it and say, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this, but it hurts and it's a part of my story. And when we do that, Paul says step two is now God can do something with it. God didn't cause the pain or the hurt in your life, but he can absolutely use it. Watch this. The very things that got Paul into trouble down the wrong road are the very things that God is going to use on the new road. Paul has zeal, he has passion, he's a biblical scholar, he has networks, he's got connections, he's a world traveler. That is a resume for a world-class church planter. And so don't tell me that anybody's too far gone, including that family member that you have or that friend that you have, because here's the kind of God that we have. We have a God that'll take your liabilities and turn them into assets for the kingdom. Okay? That's the kind of God that we have. Nobody is too far gone. Step one to going all in, embrace your past. Step two is this, shift your priorities. Back to Philippians chapter three. Paul says, whatever gains to me, I now consider lost. Later on in that passage, he says, all these things, I've lost all these things, and in comparison to knowing Jesus, they don't even measure up. Paul says, I consider them garbage. I'm just gonna tell you right here this morning that that word garbage in the Greek is not garbage. I don't know if you've ever been to a parade and seen some droppings behind the animals. That's a little bit closer to what Paul's talking about. And the reason he used that dynamic, vivid language is he's trying to paint a picture for you that all of these things in your life that you once held dear that were the thing don't even compare to the thing, the person, the one, Jesus Christ. They're rubbish. They're garbage. They're that stuff compared to Jesus. And I'm not going to be one of those preachers that's going to say, oh, you know, Jesus, everything else doesn't matter. It does matter. When you know Jesus, it doesn't make everything else meaningless. It just means that you know what makes life have meaning. That's the difference. And that you know Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about. Here's the truth. Many things can fill up your schedule. But only one person can fill up your soul. And I don't know what you're headed into this fall. And I can't tell you what your priorities should be, but I have a feeling that if you ask Jesus, his number one, hear me out, his number one priority for you this fall is not to be a great mom or dad or parent, perfect parent, world-class grandparent, spoils your grandkids, awesome employee, boss, leader, small group leader, friend, whatever it is. Jesus' number one priority for my life, for your life, as we head into a new season this fall, is to surrender all of your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ and let that new identity spill over into every single thing that you do. And what that means is that when I'm following Jesus and I'm all in for him, it might mean that I need to say no to a whole bunch of good things so I can say yes to the one best thing. Don't be afraid to say no so you don't miss out on God's best. We're filled in a culture with options and options and options and options. Yeah, you got a lot of options. There are some things worth committing to. There are some things worth going all in for so that you can say yes to being his disciple. God not only uses Paul's past, he says, Paul, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to get in 
the game. Not just, oh, you know, you forgive me, so I'm just going to stay here on the side of the road. Jesus sends him into town. He says, go meet. I got, I got somebody I need you to meet, and I've got things for you to do. And Paul becomes this theological and church giant because he got in the game. The problem is a lot of us would rather stay on the bleachers or on the sideline and never actually play the game and never actually activate our faith. Think about it this way. Back to the game because that's just fresh on my mind from yesterday not wearing any certain colors up here. I just want to be your pastor today, okay? I'm not going to rub that in. But imagine, after months of hype, this game yesterday, months of hype, television commercials, the stadium's filled, thousands of people, and the music's playing, and the bands are there, and the teams are warming up, and we've been thinking about it, and planning, and game planning, and the teams, and the coaches, and they meet, and the players warm up, and they're stretching, and they're lifting weights, and they're exercising, it comes time to play the game, they run out, they practice, they go back, they run out, and the fire, and everything, and they're all excited to go, and they get to the sidelines, and imagine both of the teams huddle up on the sideline, and the ref blows the whistle and says, okay, that's it, we'll see you next week. What? Like, as a ticket holder, you'd be like, are you crazy? Some of you'd be like, huh, funny illustration. I know, wouldn't it be ridiculous if a group of people got all hyped up every week and huddled together but never actually played the game? I'm not talking about football anymore, by the way. And we do this. And I don't know what your background is, but I think Jesus wants to blow wide open your box of what it means to be the church this morning. That it is not showing up for an hour a week and doing a little holy huddle and then going back out like nothing ever changed. He wants to radically transform your life. This example of Saul to Paul is not an exception to the rule. It is an example of what God can do in every single one of our lives. To leave you never the same. We want to be in the game so that you don't miss your purpose. Embrace your past, shift your priorities, and finally find your purpose. Some of us are on the sideline today because we're not quite sure that there's a place for us in the game. And we get this picture. Yesterday there was over 60,000 people at Jack Trice Stadium watching this game. Millions more, maybe you were one of them, watching on TV. People all over the world probably streaming it on the internet, right? everybody's watching the game. How many people are on the field? 22. That is brilliant marketing and fundraising and money, and it is great for college football and athletics, and I love that because I'm a fan. It is a great picture for college football. It is a terrible illustration for what it means to be the church because there's just a few select people that are actually in the game, and everybody else is watching. And you are never going to hit your stride in life and you're never going to find your purpose if you watch Christianity happen. You were not created to be on the bleachers or even on the sideline or huddle up every single week for an hour. You were created to come, find your purpose, and go live on mission the other days of the week. Amen? That's what you were created for. Paul says this. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Ephesians chapter 4 and another... I'm being kind. You see what I have up here on the screen? Just trying to level the playing field a little bit, all right? Paul says this, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, the leaders of the church, the pastors, the church staff, their job is to do all the ministry. Oh, wait, that's not what it says. To equip his people for works of service so that you could get 
in the game so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say mature. mature. What does a mature church, church look like when everybody's in the game? Not a few people in the game and a whole bunch of people watching, but literally, you ever seen when there's a big upset and everybody charges the field? That's a little bit better picture of a healthy church. Like, you're all in, I can go down on the field. You better believe that you can be on the field because it's what you were created for. And I'm not talking about a football game or a sporting event. I'm talking about using the gifts and the talents that God has given you. Don't play small anymore. You were created to be in the game because you never know. And it's not like God is going to be like tapping you on the shoulder and saying, okay, now it's your time if it's convenient for you. You never know. Sometimes God might just like say, hey, just like he did to Saul, I want you in the game. And out of nowhere, you're in the game, right? Give Rob a hand for that. Good job. We didn't rehearse that ahead of time, right? Because you never know. God's looking at you like, oh, all of a sudden, boom, right? Good catch, by the way. That was awesome. That was nice. I wasn't sure if I was going to have a job uh, tomorrow if I came to this church and I got hit in the head with a football, right? Sometimes, just like Saul to Paul, God says, you're in the game. I got a plan and a purpose for your life. Yeah, there are some coaches and some leaders but our job is not to have all the fun and do the ministry. A healthy church a unified, is unified and it's mature in the sense that every single person is in the game. Why would you want to miss the thrill of that? Of being who you were created to be. Why would you want to miss the thrill? Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press towards the goal to win the prize. I've got a purpose for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I've got a purpose, and I'm striving towards that purpose today. What I love about Paul is that he doesn't seem to be disqualified by his past. And some of you feel like you're disqualified because of things that you've done or things that have happened to you. Maybe even a bad experience with church. And that church hurt just, like, ruined it for you. Uh, It's cute, but I can't get in the game. It's not for me. I've been ruined. I'm disqualified. Some of you think you're disqualified because it's your first or second time here. You're not. You're just as much a part of this family, part of this team as anybody else. Some of you think you're disqualified because you're like, I don't know how I fit in here. I don't know what my part is, and my part of the body is not as important as somebody else's part of the body. You are not disqualified either. We did a little friendly uh, voting the last couple weeks as a church of who we thought was going to win the game. Now, we met with our international panel of judges that really focused on this to make sure that there was no skewed voting or anything like that. And so just, we had the black ones for the Hawkeyes. For the Hawkeyes. Okay, thank you. We had the cardinal ones for the team from Ames. Uh, Okay, moving on. Now, This is where it gets a little interesting. Yellow was those of you that said, yay, sports. I don't care about sports. Go for whatever you go for. What we discovered is that these beads are actually half the size of the other ones, okay? So the final totals actually, now some people of you nerd out about about things like this. Here's the final totals, okay? Uh, Let's see, 653 official votes were cast. Hawks, 187. Clones, 200 and something, moving on. So, um... (laughs) Yay Sports, 
261. So here's the thing. You may look at this and say, wow, we have a church that really doesn't care about sports, and that's fine with me. Or you might look at this and say, wow, very divisive. We're a very divided church. You know what I look at? I see that, not just in the diversity of who we vote for, but like, ooh, the diversity of who we vote for in a couple months. What we look like, the color of our skin, where we live, the way we talk, the way we worship, our church background, whatever it is, you know what I see is a picture of a beautifully diverse and yet unified church because here's what God's doing. Here's what God's doing. He says, oh, okay, okay, you're doing this church merger, you're all coming together and everybody's a little bit different. I'm going to put a little bit of little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? All of that. And I'm going to put in some of you, right? And I'm just going to keep mixing it all together. And I'm going to do this beautiful experience called the church, the body of Christ, where you're just all together. And even though out there the world says you can't associate with each other because you're so different and you have different opinions and you believe different things, I'm just going to mix it in and you're going to worship together and you're going to serve together and you're going to love together and you're going to be the church. And I'm just going to keep on encouraging you and God is saying I'm going to bring you all together and God says I'm just going to mix it up I'm going to mix it up and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be out of your comfort zone and I'm going to keep mixing it up and mixing it up and mixing it up whoever you are and God says I got this beautiful little thing called Hope Elam and I'm going to do a great work and every single one of those beads is different and every single one of you has something to offer and it's time to get in the game, to find your part to play, to find your purpose. It's so much bigger than you and you are not going to find your purpose by living life on your own. You're going to find your purpose when you plug into the body of Christ, when you find out how you complement somebody else and we all work together. Every single one of us casts one of, the, casts one of those beads. You have a role to play in the church as well. And so today, we're not just going to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to be about it. When you came in this morning, you received a card that looks like this. It says, get in the game at Hope Elam. If you didn't, just wave and we'll get one to you. They should be up and all around. We'll have people walking around. And there's two parts of that. If you didn't get one, just wave your hand. We'll get them. We've got people in the back that can walk around and give you one. But we're actually going to do this right here, right now. Not on Tuesday. Not next week. Not when you get around to it. Not when it's a better season for you. What I want you to do is I want you to write on there. There are markers right in front of you in the pews. There's about one for every three to four people. And when you're done, then you share and pass it to the person next to you. And again, this is for everybody. What I want you to do is write down how God is calling you to get in the game. This is not about sports. I cannot emphasize that enough. Somebody was holding a blank one after the last service and said, I can't do it. I'm not really a sports person. And I said, good. Be a Jesus person. That's what this is about. It's nothing to do with sports. This is for every single one of us. You were not created to be on the sideline. You were created to be in the game. God has put something inside of you. It's how you were created. It's how you were wired up. It might be one of a ministry area or something like that. If you go to the next slide, this is just a snapshot. Go ahead and go to the next slide. We got that? There we go. Awesome. Different ways to get in the game. Might be the alpha class. It might be the new member class next weekend. Care, crazy. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Men's ministry, women's ministry, young adults. If you're 18 to 30, if you feel young, young adult ministry is kicking off. It, for anybody, write it down. On one part of your card, you're just going to write it down. You might write down prayer, worship, hugs, <laughs> greeting, 
love. Some of you that are online, prayer, support, drop it in the chat. Find a piece of paper to write down on if you're worshiping with us online. For some of you, it might be one of those ministry areas that you're like, I even considered that, but God's put something inside of me. I asked a couple people to serve in a certain ministry area last week, and you know what one lady said to me? Thank you so much for asking. I've just been waiting, and sometimes we just need the Holy Spirit to put the hand in the small of our back and say, you're in. You're in. What does God want to do in and through you for the sake of building his kingdom? This isn't about Hope Elam. This is about going all in with Jesus. And then write it on that card, your name and your contact info. And what we're going to do after our closing worship song, you're going to walk out to the lobby upstairs and downstairs. There's little mini photo booths. And we're going to add you to the Hope Elam Wall of Fame uh, with the, the team Hope Elam. Whatever jersey you have on, we're all on the same team. Jot down your name, your contact info, and tear that one off and drop it in the basket at the little photo booth. And there'll be people out there. And then write it down with the Sharpie, and we'll take your picture right there. And you'll join with the rest of our team, every single other person that's worshipped with us this weekend and will on Wednesday to be a part of Team Hope Elam. Where is God calling you? And it, for some of you, it might be where you're already serving. Write it down. Say, I'm in the game. That's awesome. God might want to shift your role a little bit. For some of you, you're participating, and God's saying it's time to lead. That might be your next step. So do it right now. Not on Tuesday. Don't stuff it in your Bible and take it home. You'll forget about it. Not on the bottom floor of your van. Right here, right now. How is God calling you into the game? No duty, no pressure, no obligation. Step into how God has created you. I want to show you a final video. Several years ago, our studio team put together a collection of some of the greatest sports moments in history. And we sprinkled in a few local scenes as well. And as you watch this, I want you to consider what happens when you stop just thinking about it and considering it, and you actually activate your faith and get into the game. Take a look. Every single one of those moments was made possible because somebody believed it was time to get off the sideline and into the game. That picture, it's not about football. That picture of thousands of people storming the field, that's you. God says, this isn't about volunteering for an opportunity. This is about being who you are. This is about being the church. Stop watching Christianity and get in the game. It's how I've created you. Go. Start your engines. It's Rally Sunday. It's time to be the church. Amen? This is what Paul says to you. Don't leave this room. Don't leave this church building without writing that down to say, I'm making my mark today. I'm starting fresh. I'm going into the fall, and it's time to be who God created me to be. It's time to turn it around. As God does, as he did for Saul, he can do it for you. And if Paul was here this morning, he'd look at you, and he would say, you will never regret going all in for Jesus. Amen? So before you leave today, write that down. Go get your picture taken. Go get connected at the New to Hope Elam Center. And before we do, let's stand up wherever you are. Keep your sheet and let's sing of a God that can turn it around. Let's worship together. Thanks so much for joining us. 
To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.